Well, hey, um, it's good to see you in the house of God on a Friday night. Thank you so much for taking the time. A lot of times when I prepare for uh, a message, I, I constantly go back to, okay, what do I think is needed in our youth ministry? So it's not necessarily like what I have in my mind, like I think I should speak on this, but I always kind of like try to inquire of what, what's going on. And a lot of times I have these messages that I want to preach, but um, tonight I want to preach a message that maybe you've heard some parts of it, but I think it's so, we're so desperate need of it. Um, namely because like even last night on, on live stream, and it seems like this question always comes up. No matter, like, if you're in ministry for any length of time, if you're a youth pastor, or if you're a pastor, or if you're a leader, this question is going to come up pretty much all the time. And the question is usually is, exactly what does God want me to do with my life? To which I usually kind of look at them and say, well, have you asked Him? And I go, no, 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 you don't understand. God doesn't really talk to me like that. So are you saying that God doesn't talk at all? So I want to speak on the subject about hearing God's voice. I know maybe you've heard it a couple times, uh, small pieces of it, but I really want to drive home. And after this, we're going to have our band come up. And I want you to prepare your heart to hear from God tonight. I want you to, to be open to that and say, God, would you convict me? Would you bring hope and restoration? Would you, would you heal me from inside out? And, and this is what I want to spend um, the bulk of, of the next, you know, 25, 30 minutes. If you follow me on Snapchat, you probably noticed that I had a pretty rough morning. Um, and if you don't, basically what happened, I was, last night I was really, really busy and I didn't get to sleep until like 12 a.m. And, uh, you know, I really had to do a lot of stuff on Facebook. But, um, like, as I fell asleep, I was really looking forward. I calculated and I was like, okay, I got it exactly four hours and 20 minutes to sleep. And I was so excited that I get an extra 20 minutes. You know, it's kind of like my daily thing. It's awesome. Um, and man, I fell asleep and I started dreaming. And normally I don't dream when I sleep only four hours, you know, like, but I, I started to dream. And then in the middle of the dream, like it was something very interesting. This high pitched noise. I, I started hearing this high pitched noise and I, I was so confused. I didn't know if I, I was dreaming about this or maybe this was real life. So I, it got to a point I can no longer ignore. It, it seemed to get a lot louder, you know. So I woke up and it was like about 3.40 a.m. And it was actually a bell outside and it's a fire bell. So if there's a fire in the apartment complex, it goes off. So I'm like, okay, well, apparently there might, somebody either pulled the fire alarm or something happened. So I'm like, man, but I really, really want to sleep. Um, at this point, I was like, okay, I'm just going to put my clothes on and just go to work because this is, this is pointless. By the time the fire department shows up, you know, and, um, you know, I, and I'm taking like my time, you know, like when you wake up in the morning, you really are not in the mood to start running. Like you're kind of like slowly moving. And then this, this, this alarm started going louder and louder and louder. At this point, my roommate knocks on the door and he's like, and, and actually right before he knocked on the door, the alarms in the, in the building started to go off. So outside there was a high pitched noise and then inside it has like that really kind of like very high pitched noise that's like beep, beep, you know. And my roommate went and thought that maybe it was just our apartment. So he pressed on the thing and then it just escalated the whole thing. We started hearing fire, fire. 
And I'm like, what is happening? Like, this is getting worse and worse and worse. It got to a point it was like unbearable, right? So I grab my stuff and I just run downstairs, like four flights of stairs, and I'm bumping into people because like people are like, you know, walking around. People like, and I'm like, this is weird. But I got my keys because we train at Boeing. Every single time there's a fire alarm, like you grab your keys and you grab your coat just in case you have to leave and you cannot access the building, you know. So I got my stuff. My roommate, not so lucky, didn't grab his keys, didn't grab uh, like a blanket. So, you know, I pull out with my car and I see my roommate just like sitting outside with a whole bunch of people. And I did what a good roommate would do, just left. Uh, but <laughs> I really wanted to get out of there because I was like, this is, this is madness. But the reason I tell you this story is I feel a lot of times in life we do the same thing. We wait until the last minute. Because you, you see, like, when, when the, you know, between the moment when you went off to the moment where you actually got to a point where it was unbearable to hear the, the alarm, there was quite a bit of time. It was at least, you know, four or five minutes. And I could have got out in, like, a minute or two, but I just kind of took my sweet time. I didn't really want to rush things because, you know, just in case I forget anything. And... As I was preparing for this message today, I think a lot of times when God speaks into our lives, it's kind of like that. God warns us just a little bit about something in our life that maybe is not right, or maybe it's a small sin in our lives, and, and we don't seem, we try to push it away. And if you've noticed, we're masters at justifying our sin. Well, but, you know, it's not like I'm worse than they are. It's not like, you know, I do meth. You know, it's not like, you know, there's a lot of people that, that do a lot of, like, worse things than me. So we constantly look for someone that's in a worse shape than we are, and we're trying to point to that as, okay, well, it's not that bad. So, and if you, if you ever had to apologize to someone, right, like, it usually goes like this, I'm sorry, but I just didn't know. Well, then, if you didn't know, then there's nothing you should apologize for. We constantly like to, to kind of justify our behavior. And I've noticed even like, uh, I was listening to a preacher last weekend, and this guy was telling about the encounter that he had with another guy. And this, supposedly that guy was very prideful. And it really just dawned on me. Did you guys notice how people tell stories? Just, just really pay attention at the tone of their voice. So, you know, I was, the story goes, you know, I was, I was, uh, riding on the train, and this guy approached me, and he's like, he looked at me and said, you're a Christian? And I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Christians are stupid. And I was like, well, you know, and did you notice that kind of like the shift in how they portrayed the other person to be, and how their response was? Well, he goes on to say that the guy was, was saying, well, you know, I am a minister of this and that and that. And I'm like, I find that very hard to believe because even people in my company that are at the top of the, like, the company, when I talk to them, they don't talk like that. They're like, well, I'm the general, so you. They, don't, they talk to me like a person. And I think to a certain extent, we do that same thing. When, we, when you tell someone, you gossip about someone, you try to paint that person in the worst light, and you try to paint yourself in the best light. Did you notice that? And I was looking at that, and I'm like, that's so subtle. Like, that's something that normally, I know I do it all the time. When I tell my story, I always try to kind of like make myself more 
more pleasant and the other person as so 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 people could like kind of sympathize with me more we do it all the time so when i say that we justify sin when we when i say that we always kind of like give ourselves grace and we don't really give that same grace to other people it's true because i see it all the time the way we portray other people the way we justify our behavior it, it's constant we kind of like we dismiss our shortcomings and we constantly magnify other people's shortcomings we're masters at that and it's unfortunate because I think when you're truly honest about your situation is actually when change really happens. When you constantly, and it, to me, it was so odd to see this person that was six years old and they haven't figured this out yet, that if they're gonna tell the story, they should just portray it in the light they exactly was because he wasn't the reasonable person there only. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I noticed that even in my own life, a lot of times I justify this behavior and God escalates things. He says, look, would you turn around? And maybe at the beginning, it's just a tiny, small voice. Would you, would you just listen to this? And you ignore that. And it turns into maybe having a confrontation with a, a leader that they call you out and say, hey, that, all that gossip that you do, that's not right. Hey, how you, how you kind of murder people's character, like, that's not good. That's not godly. So God will speak through other people and he escalates things just a little bit more, just like that sound outside of my window. It just kind of get more and more intense to get your attention constantly, you know? And, and then you still kind of ignore it. You're like, oh, I still, I still got time. I'm still good. I'm still, you know? And then God escalates that just a little bit more where maybe your parents get involved. There are some consequences. And God says, look, if you don't do this, if you don't get on board with this, this will happen. And I guess a, a lot of times when God actually kind of puts circumstances in your way to turn you around. It's unfortunate because a lot of times we don't get the memo. We, we, we don't get what God is trying to say. And then, you know, we get to a point where we can all ignore him. C.S. Lewis writes about this and, uh, you know, a lot of people would ask him, okay, how do you reconcile good God and all the pain that is in the world? And he, he has this like brilliant quote that he says, um, he says, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So we see us as the sayings, look, look, when you are at the height of your life and you experience a lot of pleasure, God might come to you as a whisper and encourage you, hey, you should probably not do this or that. And then God will start speaking to your conscience and saying, this is actually really, really wrong. You have been compromising your moral, like your moral compass is very compromised. But then when, when pain happens, when God allows you to kind of like experience the full kind of like consequences of your actions, right? When God remove himself, removes himself, it's really hard to ignore when you're going through a really painful season of your life. And if you look through the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, you'll see a lot of time where God will allow His people to be in captivity for a time just for them to cry out to God again. God will allow them to be in slavery for a certain amount of time for them to wake up and say, God, we need you. And I think I've, I've said this before, but God would, would come to, to, 
to the people of Israel, and, and, you know, they would have this amazing relationship, but then as God blessed them, right, they would start to get really distracted by the things that God would give them. And they would slowly turn around, and they would slowly pursue the passions and the desires of their heart, and, and it, it, they were not godly. It got so bad, in fact, if you read the, the book of Judges, you see an endless pattern of the same thing, where God raises up a judge, He delivers His people, it's for a season they walk with Him, for a season they stay with Him, but then everything changes and they start to worship other idols, they start to intermix in their marriages, and they start kind of worship other gods that are not gods at all, and God would allow them to go back into captivity. And if you look in the book of Judges, every single chapter, it seems to be a cycle of falling into sin, God delivering them to, to these people that now they're in captivity. They will cry out to the Lord and then God will deliver them. And maybe that is the pattern of your life tonight. Maybe it's been a constant, non-ending cycle of, of giving into sin. So, so the, the, the game of the enemy is always to tempt you. You're giving into sin and after that, you know, bring shame and guilt, which causes you a lot more, like, depression and despair, and you give back into sin because you think you're going to find joy in that, and that fails you again, and you feel shame and guilt, and it's an every-ending cycle, and my hope for you tonight is that you break out of that. My hope for you, if you've been in a cycle of depression, sin, depression, sin, that you'd break out of that, that you allow God to completely deliver you, but if you're going to allow God to deliver you, you're going to have to start listening to Him. You're going to have to start hearing His voice. Jesus puts it very plain. He says, to my sheep, He's talking about His people, His Christians. They know Slavic's voice? No. They know Pastor Vasily's voice? No. He says, my sheep know my voice. And you know what's happening in our youth ministry? You come here, and you maybe are inspired by one of the messages of our pastors, where me or one of the leaders who's speaking a message, and you're inspired by that. And that's where you go on. But I hope that you understand that's just milk. That I hope, I hope that you go deeper with God. I want you to start listening to Him, not me. And if He's speaking through me to you, that's a great thing. But you need to start walking on your own. You need to know his voice. Because if you start listening to preachers, which, you know, let me make that, make that very clear, you should only listen to preachers to the extent they are biblical. If I say anything tonight that does not align with the Bible, you should throw that out completely. My opinion does not matter. The ultimate authority that we have is Scripture. The ultimate authority that we have is Jesus' word. And the Holy Spirit. So I hope that you break out of the cycle of, I need to go to the conference, I need to experience, I need to listen to this guy, I need, I need to listen to this prophet. All these people are just vessels in, in, in the hands of an Almighty God. And quite frankly, I'm a pretty broken vessel too. Every single one of us is. So I hope that you start developing a relationship with Jesus. In the next 20 minutes, I want to talk about, okay, how do you do that? How do you listen to his voice? How are you led by his voice? Because you see, me, I'm pretty stubborn. If you talk to any leader in our youth ministry, they'll probably agree. Some of you guys are too afraid to nod right now, but it's fine. Um, 
I am pretty stubborn. And when I take directions, right, like, I know the map tells me to go a certain direction. I'm like, no, I got this. Like, I have to take this way. And then I go my way and basically I get lost. Why? Because I've never li really listened. Unless you, unless you actually listen to Apple ma Maps, which you should never listen to because it takes you always in some weird uh, place. But if you listen to a good uh, map software, it should take you to your location. Well, God's voice is like that. It's like that GPS that constantly guide us, guides us. And when we get lost, when we get lost, He recalculates the route. And that's what we, we need to hear His voice constantly. Now, how does God speak? And I want to give you like specific practical ways on how you can listen to God's voice. Well, first and foremost, we can talk about that we want to know His voice, that we want to hear Him. But if this collects dust, then ultimately we don't want to hear from Him. Because He wrote you a 66 book or a 66 letter book, a love letter. And I would say that for the most part, when God speaks to my life, it's always been, well, I wouldn't say always, I would say for the most part, it's been a verse out of this. I remember particularly when I was going through a depressing like, season of my life where, where I almost kind of, I don't, I don't even want to go into details because it was very dark. I would memorize verses, and every single time I felt inadequate, I would say stuff like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Every single time I, I felt like there's no point on going in the future, there's no point of uh, carrying on, I, I'd declare, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you, you know, a new future or a new hope, rather. So a lot of these verses that I learned, uh, I remember one particular time that uh, I've mentioned before where we went to Seaside and there was something happened that was really, really bad. Technically, a person died. And someone called me and said, hey, could you pray? And they didn't tell me what it was. And I, I remember just being on the floor and constantly praying over. And I remember uh, about a month before, or maybe two months before, I memorized Psalm 91. And I would just declare Psalm 91 to that situation. You know, and I would just declare how we protected by Him and how, you know, if I, if, if I, if I, hide myself in the shadow of the Almighty, He will take care of me. And I, I would just declare these things over, over that situation. But for the Holy Spirit to speak to your life, you have to know this. Now, there's a lot of times where the, the Holy Spirit will bring a new revelation that you didn't know before. But for the most part, He'll use the Word. And that's how you're going to know it's the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will never contradict what is written here. So, by whatever means necessary, get this into yourself. If it's podcasts, you know, there's actually a podcast I listen to constantly. It's called the 360 Audio Bible. And every single day you get a new podcast with like uh, a, a chapter from Psalms, a chapter from the Old Testament, a chapter from the New Testament. So, in a year you can listen to this podcast and listen to the whole Bible. And they read from different translations. The guy has an awesome voice. And, and it's, we live in the 21st century. And, and, there's so many ways you can take the Bible in. There's so many ways you can learn about the Bible. I mean, there's, there's countless ways. The problem is we just don't do it. I am baffled. Like, I, I met with a person um, just on Wednesday when you guys were having blocks. I met with a person that, that spent their whole life in church. 
And now they became an atheist. And, and as I was talking to them, they didn't understand what grace was. They didn't understand, like, the very, you know, and I'm like, how is it that someone spends their whole life in the Russian church and they don't understand the very basic things about Christianity? Like, how, how did Jesus, I mean, what makes Christianity, you know, what makes Christianity stand out from all the re religions? Like, this person cannot answer the basic questions about Christianity. How is it? How is it after all the sermons, after all the, we, we still don't know the very basic things? Now, we can say that we want to hear from God, but if we never read this, we're not serious. Now, I remember when I was, I was a kid, my mom, I've always had a really close relationship with my mom, but this one particular time, um, well, a lot of different times, I, would, didn't really, I didn't really listen to her, and I figured, uh, I had a system down, and that was that don't ask mom for permission, just kind of do it and then ask her for forgiveness. It worked. Because, I mean, she's my mom. Is she, well, going to say, like, you're not my son anymore? Like, that's not going to happen. So she's kind of like, I had some leverage, if you know what I mean. Right? Like, she loved me. So, so I would come home and, and, like, a lot of times my mom, like, she has this, this, this weird habit where there were seven of us, seven kids, and she would not go to sleep. She would stay on the stairs until everyone came home. And like, Mom, <laughs> I'm fine. And she would just look at me and just kind of like not say anything and walk away. And I'm like, you know, that was one thing that I remember that I always talk about. And I was like, you know, it'd be nice if you slapped me right now because at least I had some closure, right? But the silence killed me. Because I knew that this, it was just like, and I felt so guilty. And I'll go and I just like stare at the ceiling. I'm like, why did I have to do that? I was so stupid. You know? One thing that I understand now that I didn't understand back then is my actions didn't necessarily just affect me. It actually hurt her. Because I was walking in rebellion. And a lot of times when we, we ignore what God says, we, we have this tendency to think that, okay, well, you know what the right things is. Like, I'm, I'm baffled a lot of times in City Hill, we, we make all these announcements, and I'm like, so are you going to come to that event? They're like, oh, when's it happening? It's like, we only announced like 500 times. We, you only heard like, I don't know, maybe a thousand sermons by now. But looking back to my relationship with my mom, I always had selective hearing. I only heard what I wanted to hear. And a lot of times we do the same thing with God. We, we claim these things that we want to hear from God, but if God really spoke to you in the like, thunder and voice, would you, would you be willing to listen? Would you be willing to do what he's asking you? Because I think a lot of times we just disguise this idea that God just doesn't speak to me with the fact that really, we don't really want to hear from God because if we heard like from God, then ultimately we'd have to do what he asks us to do. I pretended to care about what my mom wanted. But I knew all along that to ask forgiveness for me worked a lot better than actually ask for, for permission. Because she might have said no. And I think a lot of times we approach God the same way, where we claim to know one thing, we claim to know God, we claim to want to hear from Him, but really, in reality, we're not really willing to hear that. Like, if, if God spoke to you and says, okay, can you do this right now, would you do it? <laughs> I remember, I don't think I've ever, ever told you guys this story, but like, I remember one time, um, <laughs> I was walking out of Fred Meyer's, and I had $5.75 uh, $5 in the pocket, and, and I walked out, 
And these two homeless people, actually it was a, a couple um, uh, that they, you know, the, I think the lady was in the wheelchair and the, the older gentleman was, was pushing the wheelchair. And they came up to me and said, do you have any, any money for food? And I knew I had $5.75. And I just, i like, no, I don't. Because that was only the money that I had. So I didn't want to give the last thing that I had. And God just kind of convicted me and says, go right now and give that money away. You lied. <laughs> so I turn around and I'm like, actually, I found some money. <laughs> okay, give me a break here, right? You do the same thing. And uh, so I give this 575 to uh, this lady. And next, like the same day, I think I went to prayer. And Alex was preaching about how if you give anything in the name of the Lord, God's going to reward you a hundred even more times. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be nice. Well, the next Tuesday, I made $575 because uh, I was working commission. I was selling, selling cars. And I was like, is this like a trick? Like, is this, is this how it actually happens? Now, it, I guarantee that not always going to happen that. But when you give, when you trust God with your last $5.75, God will come through. Um, same thing with, with you know, uh, I was working for the same dealership and I was so broke that I didn't have any money. And um, I actually <laughs> borrowed a whole bunch of money from people and <laughs> I, I came to work and my, my car ran out of gas. So I had to push to the gas station which I kind of had some, some help, but then I had no money to get home with. And I walked into my dealership and uh, what's it called? It was, I was supposed to get off at one o'clock and people come up and say, Slavik, when are you gonna pay me that 20 bucks back that you borrowed? And I'm like, uh, you know, when I get paid, you know, so I was making all these excuses. But then three o'clock came by and I was supposed to go home, but I didn't have any gas and I kind of ran out of people to borrow from. So I was just like, well, what are you gonna have to just kind of come through, you know? And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there like, and the, my manager's like, Slavik, aren't you supposed to be off by now? You should be home. Like, aren't you going to go home? And I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to chill here. Because I literally didn't have any gas to go home with. He comes back again. It's like, oh, good thing you didn't leave. Um, I got your bonus check, bonus check. And I'm like, huh? He's like, yeah, like we, we, we didn't tell anyone, but we kind of wanted to give people some bonuses for Christmas. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? How much is it? And it was like a few hundred dollars. But I was like, this is enough for me for three months of gas. So in those moments where you're like, you put God on, 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 on display and say, God, this is, this is your thing. I'm going to trust you on this. Now, I'm thankful for the last 10 years, I never had to worry about money because I, I had a steady job and so on and so forth. But I ask you that you, when, you, when he asks you to do something, that you would trust him with it. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So God speaks first and foremost through Scripture. Other, thing, other ways God can speak, uh, think of uh, Samuel. He heard a voice. It's very rare that you're going to hear a voice, but it's possible. We see this in the Old Testament. God spoke through a voice. God's, God speaks through prophets. Like, and prophets could be you know, foretelling and foretelling. Preaching would be like foretelling, which I declare, which the Bible already kind of declared, right? Like that would be a prophecy and foretelling. Foretelling is basically, I know it's foretelling and foretelling, foretelling, they're very kind of confusing. But one of them is kind of like telling what's going to happen in the future, and one of them is declaring what God says in the Bible, what God has already spoken. So, so God will, will come through other people in your life and they'll prophesy in your life and say, hey, if you just, 
if you just trust God on this, if you just trust me on this. In my own life, I had the same thing where I couldn't really go to college for the longest time, so I worked like all these odd jobs trying to get, and, and I was like, there's no way I can ever afford a university. And, and I remember Brother Newberry, I don't know if you guys know him, but he was prophesying, and he just kind of put his hand over my, my, my head and said, okay, look, I know that you want to go to college. I know that you, there's no finances. And I'm like stunned. I'm like, are you, did, how does he know this? He says, and I will provide for you. And I look back now, I'm graduating this spring, you know, and this is my third degree that I get, and I've never paid anything for any of them. It's all been paid by Boeing or by other means. And like, I, I look at that and I'm like, God has been faithful. I ask you to trust him with the very little things. A few more things and we're going to pray. God speaks a lot of times through circumstances. And like I told you about the fire, he's going to increase kind of like the, the pressure. He's going to increase the temperature. And he's going to try to get you to, to, to kind of wake up and, and kind of say, hey, okay, what am I doing? He's going to constantly try to, to work through circumstances to align things for you. It's really hard when you try to do everything on your own. Allow God to work on this. Allow God to work on your finances. Allow God, God to work in your family life, in your love life, and all these things, all these insecurities, all the fears that you have. Would you trust Him on this? Because He, he says, pursue first the kingdom of God and everything will be given unto you. Set your sight on what, what he's called you to do, and he'll take care, care of all your problems, all your finances, all those things. Trust him on this. A few more things. God speaks through other people, through godly counsel. In this place, I want to encourage you to not go to people that you know they're not godly. Go to people that have a history of speaking truth in your life. Go to people that have a history of constantly challenging with the truth, but they've done, done this in, with, with gentleness and respect. Go to those people and say, could you confirm what God has been speaking to my heart? Could you confirm this? Could you, could you allow God to maybe, if, if the same spirit lives inside of me as it lives inside of you, I'm sure that God can speak to you just like he spoke to me about this. So God is going to speak through Scripture. He's going to speak through, through trials and uh, kind of circumstances. God is going to speak through godly counsel. God speaks finally through, you know, elders and, and authorities in your life. I don't know what I would be if it wasn't for my parents. And a lot of times we look at that as kind of loss of freedom. Well, my parents wanted me to do this. Well, my parents wanted me to do this. But a lot of times those boundaries that are set in your life, they're actually blessings in your life. I know people that had no boundaries. Maybe they had a, a parent that was missing their life or they didn't have much boundaries and now they have to graduate from a five-year you know, rehab center because they, they, they never had those boundaries in their life. And I want to challenge you that when God puts certain boundaries, when He closes certain doors, is because He literally has a higher perspective than you do. And He sees things way ahead, more ahead than you do. And, you know, uh, a friend of mine always says that, like, Slavic, when God speaks, he says either no completely, where he says not yet, or I have something better for you. Or he can just say, yes, go forward. So to kind of wrap all this, thing, all this stuff up, uh, to put it all in perspective, I would say this. How do you know what kind of job God is leading you to, to pick up? How do you know 
what spouse you should marry. How do you know, um, okay, what church you should join? How do you know um, all the other like, important things in life, all the important decisions? How do you make those decisions? Well, I want to give you a kind of like a rule of thumb how I make those decisions. If, those help, if that helps you, that's great. First of all, if God, when God called me in my ministry, it's, it's the same idea. How did I know that I'm supposed to be here even though my whole parents, all my parents and my, my whole family was against it? You know how I knew? Is that God spoke to my heart. He, he grabbed a hold of me. No matter what I did, He constantly spoke that, hey, I need to do this. And you're going to get either a desire, like a, a burning within you that's going to say, you should do this. But I don't really trust that alone because I just don't really know. I'm prone as a human being to be kind of like deceived by the enemy. So I, I don't just go by what I feel because our feelings are deceiving, right? Like our, our feelings, they can be up and down. So the next thing I take is, is I go to the scripture and say, is this biblical? Well, when I got called to ministry, there is a very clear passage where Jesus says, go into all the earth and preach the word. Well, I don't have to question that. It's a command. Rejoice always at the command. You know, I don't have to question, don't commit adultery. I don't have to question that. I don't have to interpret that. It's pretty straightforward. So I look at uh, uh, the Bible and say, okay, is this what God has prompted me in my spirit to do? Is this biblical? Or is this some kind of weird, odd thing that God has never asked anyone to do? Like, I know for sure, unless you have some kind of redemptive kind of plan, I know for sure that God doesn't want you to open a prostitution business. Like, that is not really, you know, a godly thing to do. So when God is going to call you, He's, he's going to give you a desire. He's going to make sure that this is biblical. The third thing is He's going to give you a toolbox. Either he, it's a toolbox you already had or a toolbox that you are developing. I remember Silas, you know, he's getting married uh, April 1st. But I remember when he came into this youth ministry and he was sitting on the sound booth. And I walked up to him and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And he was just kind of like this timid kid, you know, very, very shy. And we started to kind of talk more and more. And, you know, he was doing sound for us for about half a year. And I'm like, Silas, what do you really want to do? And he's like, well, I really want to be a worshiper. And I'm like, do you play? And he's like, no, I don't, I don't really play any instrument. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work, Silas. But we'll pray about it. <laughs> and I'm like, but do you sing? He's like, no, no, I don't. I don't. I'm kind of actually scared of singing. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So, but we're going to believe this. Within two and a half years, he was leading worship at our church. So, that's someone that didn't even know he had a toolbox, but God developed that. You know, so, so I, I want to ask you to trust God that if he's calling you, a person said that if, he's, if it's his will, it's also his bill. He's going to pay for it. He's going to equip you. He's going to give you the strength. He's going to give you the heart. I remember when I was growing up, my dad was a preacher, and I, was, I, I looked at him and I said, the one thing I want, I'd never want to do in life is preach. I honestly said that. That's one thing that I never want to do, ever. I just saw all the stuff that my dad had to go through, and I was just like, nope, no thank you. I'm good. See ya. Uh, and then I walked into this prayer, and we had this grandpa his name was Didrachuk, if you guys remember him. I don't know if you guys know him. It's probably way before your time. Uh, that's not supposed to be insulting. That's actually a good thing. Um, 
So basically, he looked at me, right? Like I'm sitting in the second row, like that, right there. I barely speak English. And he turns around and says, you're preaching next. And like, I don't even know who he is. And I'm like, Vitaly, I think he said you should be preaching next. And he tells like, no, 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 I know it was you, so it's you. You know, that Vitaly is Alex's Kulibaba's brother. And uh, man, I got up there and I was like trembling. And I'm like, first of all, I didn't know I was supposed to speak. And then, you know, in, a, I, in my broken English, I spoke for about seven years, seven years, wow, <laughs> seven minutes. I remember that, seven minutes. Um, and it's been seven years, more than seven years. Um, but. I spoke for seven minutes, my, my knees were trembling, and people like after that, like, oh, how long have you been preaching? And I'm like, for about seven minutes. They're like, no, no, how long have you been preaching, really? Like, and I'm like, never done it before. And even though it was not, trust me, if you had a recording of that, you'd probably use it against me. So, you know, like, you shouldn't have a recording of that, but it was not that good. But then I didn't do it because it was a duty that I have to do it. Now I look back and I'm like, are you kidding me? This is what I was born to do. This is where I'm never more alive than when I preach, even though I'm extremely tired a lot of times. You guys know that. Uh, and in that moment, I saw that God has sort of gave me this toolbox that I didn't have before. Now, am I amazing at it? All the toolbox are, you know, the, all the toolboxes have tools that are pretty broken at times. Um, so, so a lot of times you have to constantly work on that. But the last thing I want to say is, well, first of all, God's going to speak through a, uh, to you through a desire. He's going to make sure it's biblical. He's going to give you a toolbox. And the last one is that he's going to confirm it through godly counsel. And that might not be your parents. God's going to come alongside you through other people. He's going to say, yep, this is where you called them. They're going to confirm that. And what City Hill is going to do to you is as you rise up as a worshiper, as a leader, as an evangelist, as a businessman, we're going to recognize that gift that's on your life. We're going to recognize that and say, hey, can we pray for you? And can we just anoint you to go and do ministry, to go and impact the world? So my hope to you today is this, is that you learn how to hear from him. My hope is that you hear his voice. When he challenges you, you, you don't ignore, like I was ignoring the fire alarm, because he, see, see, your parents, when they had you, if you are in a Christian family, if you are not in a Christian family, I'm sorry, but, but like, if you're in a Christian family, most likely your parents prayed for you, and they've dedicated your life to, 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 to the Lord. And you know what that means? That means that God's not going to let you go that, that quick. That means that God will not allow you to walk away. He's constantly going to pull you back in. He's constantly going to watch over you. He's constantly going to turn up the heat more and more and the alarm more and more and more until you hear his voice. Until it's very loud and clear. There's fire. You need to get out. <laughs> there's, there's something that is dangerous for you. You need to get out. And a lot of you has been spending time in addictions and problems and brokenness and depression. And God has been speaking, you know, maybe at the beginning it was just a still small voice. As you're going through that broken lifestyle, maybe you start to enjoy it and maybe you thought this is the new you. But deep down inside, you always knew that this is now what God has called you. And this is wrong. And that was a nagging feeling at first. And then it turned into kind of like a conviction that you can no longer deny. 
And then one day God starts speaking to you uh, through other people, through pastors, and say, hey, you know, and, and then as he's raising you up, and I, I look back at my own life now, and I'm like, man, this is so crazy. That's been, you know, 12, 13 years since I became a Christian, and I still repent for things that I didn't even know I should be repenting for. As you get closer and closer to him, he's going to reveal more and more about you that you should repent for, and you should bring to him. And uh, broken things in my life that... I never thought it were a broken thing until, until God started to reveal the brokenness in them and how they were not right. And the closer you get to Him, the more it's going to bother you, the very little things. Like, I used to walk into stores and steal and not bother me, but like now it's like I take a clip from my job and I'm like, I got to turn around and put it back on the table. Like, you know, it's slowly, constantly, as you become more and more like Him, what you used to be able to ignore, you can no longer ignore. So that is my hope for you today, is, is you listen and you learn how to listen to His voice. And um, if you guys want to just stand right now, we're going to have our band come back up. And um, I want to encourage you, as I always do, to take a step of faith. And like I told you about in the beginning, where I went to this new church, they didn't know me, uh, they didn't know who I was, but they came because they were expecting. I want you to take that on faith. And as we, as we go into worship, would you come up front with the friend that you came and, and start praying for your life and you know bring any broken dreams anything that maybe if if kind of placed on the back burner if maybe this is a depression problem maybe it's a pornography problem maybe it's just a physical thing that you need healing from maybe it's just something that's very small maybe a real bill is hard when it comes to your parents maybe you are really good at lying and you've never really got used to telling the truth. Maybe it could be very small, but I want to challenge you that you would not walk out of this place the same as you came in. I want to challenge you that tonight you become a little bit more like Him, more like Jesus. I want to challenge you that you would, every single one of you would bring something to the cross today. You know, that one area of your life, I don't know what it is. That one problem in your life that you've never seemed to deal with, would you just come and bring it to the cross? I, I want you to be faithful in this. I want you to take a, a step of faith. Now, I know you came here for a reason. I know you want to see people after this. I get that. But I think there's, there's a deeper thing that you came here for. I want to give you the chance to step up and say, God, I'm tired of being a, a spectators of other people's faiths. God, I want you to move in me. God, I want you to heal me from inside out. God, I want you to raise me up to be the man you called me to be, the woman you called me to be. I want the Holy Spirit to annoy me so much that I would be filled with your presence, that I, when I, my co-worker would come up to me, I, I would have a word for them. I would have a word for my friend when they're going through a hard situation. I would not just going to be standing there with no word from you. So, so would you do that for me? Would you step out in faith? I want you all, every single one of you just to come to the altar and we're going to pray for people and we're going to go back into worship, but spend some time. I know we have enough time. It's 9.07. Would you, would you come to the front? Come with a friend. Come. And a lot of times it's hard to pray on your own. And that's why I encourage you to pray for somebody else. Because I wish you guys can pray for yourself as you guys pray for other people. Right? Like, a lot of times I preach all this, all this grace to other people, but I don't preach it to myself. Like, would you take the same approach that you pray for other people and pray for yourself, pray for other people, and, and, and lift every single one of us in prayer, and yourself included?
Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you and inspire you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, would you share it with other people? Thank you in advance, and until next time, God bless you.